Hi, this is Dr. Natasha. Thanks for listening to Mass Off Live, the podcast. This is a lightly edited version of our Instagram live show that Nicole and I did on March 9th. This episode focuses on taking down our masks and how we are navigating this change and how we're unfolding as the pandemic continues. We've got some commentary on the new CDC guidelines and how Nicole and I are combining individual and community risk factors when we're making decisions for our families. In this episode too, we we really kind of drilled down into a concerning New York Times headline for the 5 to 11 vaccines that suggested they weren't working great. We have some more evidence for boosters in this show, how long we've been dealing with COVID, a reminder about home test accuracy, and of course, our segment, Hell No, Let's Go, about Easter services and swim lessons and unvaccinated grandmas. So thank you for listening and being part of the show. Catch us live next time on the gram. Follow us and we'll let you know the next time that we will be on chatting about all the things. Thanks again. This week's edition is the mass off question mark question mark edition because last week or with it since the last time I talked to Nicole, the CDC has given us some quote unquote guidance on how we can start to live our lives now during this phase of the pandemic and lots of parents are very nervous about this because of our littles. I sympathize with that and so we're going to talk about how we take our masks off. We're going to talk about um, a couple of other really important papers and that have come out in the last two weeks, some that have gotten attention and some that have not. And my biggest hope is that for those of you who are joining us tonight, that we'll be able to share some of the details for some of these papers that got headlines, why I have questions about them. I'm sure Nicole has questions about them as well. And and how we can kind of all rectify this in our brains. Hi. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm here. Me too. Guess what I'm drinking tonight? Whoa. What are you drinking tonight, Nicole? I'm drinking tea out of my anti-adult bullshit mug because guess what Nicole did what Nicole did something really dumb uh-oh Nicole gave up alcohol for Lent that's not dumb yeah kind that's of is. a sacrifice that's a sacrifice and that's the point right it is. It's a big sacrifice. And Nicole almost got some wine tonight. Well, you know what? First of all, I think that Jesus would say that Mouse Off Live doesn't count. Secondly, that just means that I will drink as much to replace you. And I probably should. I could still put it in that mug, though. I went with my original OG glass. Because this you? is still one of my favorites. So yeah. cheers. Cheers to your tea. Cheers. Cheers. To your cheers. I do love the glass, though. I needed that. Mm -hmm. And I do love, I have to say, to Kate's six-year-old, who is confused because they think we're too young to be doctors. Bless your child, Kate. Bless your child. Bless them. Bless my them. Favorite, my new favorite person. I uh, also like to select out of the, remember you gave me all these Schitt's Creek uh, posters? Yes. I like to select the one that I'm feeling the most to use during Mass Off Live. Okay, what is it tonight? Tonight I have chosen David 
very uninterested in that opinion. <laughs> I'm I feeling feel that, that tonight too. That is the, that's been the theme of the last two weeks. A lot oh, yes. has happened in the last two weeks, my friend. Yeah, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be straight. If anybody has noticed, you may or may not have, because I think you all have a life too, and you don't necessarily need to notice this shit. But the last post that Nicole did was Mass Off Live two weeks ago. Because um, Nicole hasn't been on social media. Because Nicole is so effing sick of social media right now. Why are you talking about yourself in third person? Because what's wrong I, with I, you? I'm so effing sick of social media right now. And so I'm just not doing it because my mental health sucks. And so I, social media is not helping it. And so I'm sorry, friends, but I haven't been posting. And so I don't really know what's going on in the world anymore. That's fine. I got you covered. That's why we're okay. a team. That's why we're a team. I just have to promise our good friends here that I don't get too luxury because some of the stuff is like really detail oriented and that's and I think it's very relevant to our community to be able to hear why these details matter. So I'm going to just try not to be too preachy tonight. So I apologize in advance. And if I do get too off the rails, I will say that I've got about 300 and 323 pages of curling strategy that we could just start going on page one and we can just start working on through because this lady needs to get through a little strategy. We're working on a curling strat. So is that like, was that provided to you from the curling club of Kansas city or did you purchase that? Let me tell you a little bit about our curling events. Okay. I um, saw the video. Yeah. So the burger clan, all four of us, we are a four man team. We have been given the name team great Britain. Okay. Um, so they assign us random Olympic countries that have curling teams. So we faced Finland in week one. A nice woman named Susan came up to us first week of league. And she's like, my name's Susan. Are you here for the beginners league? We're like, yes. And she's like, I'm so glad to meet you. You know, I haven't thrown a stone since 2013. I'm like, oh, okay. She's like, I had my knees done and my hips done and all this kind of stuff. She's an older person. And yeah. she was like, so I'm really excited to get back to it. Ba ba ba. Okay, so she's on Team Finland, who we played the uh -huh. first week. Well, Susan curled for 30 years before 2013. So needless to say, the Burger Clan was demolished by Team Finland. Okay. <laughs> This week we played team uh, Sweden. Unfortunately, the results were very similar. Um, and we're gonna get back at it. We're gonna get back at it. We need a little bit more strategy. We need a little practice, but we're gonna get it. We're gonna get it. We're gonna win one of these games. We've got six weeks left. Okay, all right. The strategy's gonna happen. This is, this is the two scientists at work. Right, so it's all about strategy. They're like, we're not, we're not going out and just like figuring it out. We have got to have a method. We're going to have a strategy. We're working on geometry, trigonometry, a little whatever. We're figuring it out. Okay. And we're going to, we're going to make it happen. Kevin's just the muscles. I'm supposed to be the brains. I'm the, I'm the skip. So I have to work on the strategy. Kevin's just the muscles. 
I, I have like 10 pages of notes for today's show. Woo! Okay, where are we starting? Okay, let's start March, let's start on March 4th. Was March 4th the HPV day? Because that, I did post that today. No. It wasn't? That was, that was when the CDC thought that we, that they were being helpful to give us a little bit of information about what their new guidelines were. Would you like to start on your comments about the new CDC guidelines? You're talking about the mask things? I think we start right away with the pe what the people want, and that is how are we navigating this with unvaccinated littles, with high-risk people, the ma all the masks are coming down, how are you counseling your patients, what is the CDC saying, what tools do we use, what do we use to make our decisions? Because this is like smack in the face of what we're dealing with right now. So mm -hmm. do you want do you want to start on well, I mean, I just want to start <laughs> with a little um, commentary that is not scientific, but it just feels like the CDC just decided that people weren't wearing masks anymore. So we're just going to put out a bullshit guideline to go with that so that we can get people back on our side because everybody's pissed off at us. And so we're just going to say, hey, now it's okay. You have moderately high levels of COVID in your community, but take off those masks. That's how it felt. Oh, Is that how it felt to you? That's totally how it felt to, to us. So once again, now I, now, okay. So did we talk, I feel like, did we talk about this last time? We talked like a little we bit about it, but it was just like. Brand new. Brand, brand, brand new. Like I've had a little bit of time to settle with it and how do you how feel how do you feel about the no mask at the moderate level at the yellow level well let's what is what is that what does that mean what does the cdc moderate level mean to you how are you describing that to your families i don't i don't know what you're asking me like what like like the exact i don't know the exact numbers i don't have them memorized no 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 no, no not the exact not the exact not the exact numbers I think what is challenging for the CDC numbers and for the CDC, red, yellow, green, blue, orange, whatever color it is, is that when those numbers came out, what they're describing is community risk, right? That green, yellow, red is telling you based on some numbers that they didn't disclose that when you get sick with COVID, what is the likelihood that there's going to be a hospital bed available to you? That is what your green, yellow, and red are telling you. And it's also challenging to me because we know hospitalization is a late indicator of sur community surge. So we're not gonna be able to defend against another community surge by using these numbers. And we also know that they included incidence rates, but not percent positivities. And mm -hmm. so how do you not get an incident rate? You don't test. Right. So you don't test. You're not going to get into, into, the, into the higher red numbers. Your, your community risk is going to be based on hospitalization status, which is a late indicator, which I guess is going to help communities as a whole decide policy-wise, but it has no relevance on my individual decision-making. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel about it, which mm -hmm. sucks because... I should be able to lean on the Center for Disease Control and Prevention to help me get information on how to prevent my family from getting sick. And this is not what that number is telling us. 
And that makes, and that makes me angry because right now, Joko is in the low. It's in the green. So, so it's like, what is it? 90% of the country. Right. So in 90% of the country, I feel comfortable that there's going to be a hospital bed for me. Well, how is that helping me make individual decisions? Cause it's not, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think, so I went through in detail, the CDC numbers, I went through all of our different COVID tracking, like all for these last two years, there's been all sorts of different tracking data, right? Sets, right? And they all, which ones, which ones things. do you like? Yeah. So they all have subtle differences, right? So yeah. I compared our local health department. I went with uh, the New York Times. I looked at Act Now. I looked at Johns Hopkins. I looked at the Harvard set. I like, I looked at them all. And here's the bottom line. Your CDC, red, yellow, green, whatever, is not going to help you keep your family safe. It is going to let you know if there is a hospital bed when you get sick. And it's going to inform your local community politicians and influencers and decision makers. It is going to give them reassurance that when their population gets sick, that they can take care of them. That is what that number is saying. When I looked at all of the different things, I think we established on the last show that we, what a good rate would be or a safer rate, right? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. we leaned into a data set that was compiled by your local epidemiologist, which is a consensus statement. It's a, that is, thank you, thank you. There's the graphic. We put, and I put, we put that in the show notes for last week. Mm -hmm. That is a consensus statement, meaning there were multiple experts involved in order to decide those parameters. And based on that, I think Nicole and I, speaking as individuals, not giving medical advice and not representing our employers, we say that less than 50 cases per 100,000 over the previous, you know, typically seven days. Right. And if the positivity rate is less than 5%. We should feel yep. comfortable with our families knowing that we are going to be able to drop the mask and have a low risk of getting sick, okay? Who's doing that the best, you ask? My opinion, after looking at all of them, is I am going to lean more heavily on COVID Act now. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you why. You just look like you're just, you're riveted. Okay. Right. No, no, no. I like COVID Act now too. I was hoping you would say that, but I was, okay. I'm, I am, I am riveted. I'm, I'm learning. Okay. So the COVID Act now, and the reason that I'm choosing COVID Act now is the data that it's going to give you is going to blend the, it, the daily new cases, percent positivity and your R value, right? Your risk of speed of growth for your community. Those are individual risk factors. Those three with three community factors. So it's blending those six markers together to give you that low, medium, high, super high number. Now I will say when you look at Joko right now, which is where I work and live, it's reporting it as high. Like today we're in high risk. The way that they're reporting that is that they are looking at whatever index is the absolute highest on their scale. So of those six measures, the highest on their scale that is the color that they are going to give you. So for example, for them, they say right now in Joko, we're 10.5 cases per 100,000. Yay, that's good news. 
We have 4.6% positivity. Yay, that's great news. And it's saying that our R value, or our speed of growth, our infection rate is less than one, meaning that we are not going to anticipate a whole bunch of growth anytime soon. When that infection rate number starts climbing, that's what we look at as a leading indicator that things are headed in the wrong direction, regardless of what the positivity rate is. So it's combining all of that, but it keeps it at high until you have one case per 100,000. Well, it keeps it higher because mine's at medium. Right, right. right. So higher, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they don't have, what's your, what is, what's your case rate per 100,000? So we're 5.7 per 100,000. Right. And right. that is our, like, we're at me, our percent positivity is 2.9 right now in Hamilton. Right. County. So you're, so you're much better at medium, but you're not going to drop below, below that until you get to one case per 100,000. Right. It's right. still going to pop there. So your cases are awesome. So I wouldn't call you medium. I would call you low. I would say, right. it's safe for the kids to drop the mask. You're even in better position than we are. And right, right. now, based on the numbers of 10.5 or over 1,000 and 4.6, I think it's very, it's going to be a very low risk situation in order for you to drop your mask for you and your, and your kids. Okay. So, so that's what I'm going to look at. It also, this is also of note, very different than Johnson County Health Department, and I've talked about them before, but they use a different calculation of their, of trying to determine their incident rate, which, which took me forever to freaking figure out because they're still reporting us at 70 cases for 100,000, mm -hmm. which is not the same calculation as COVID Act Now, and I think that's more accurate from COVID Act Now because it's using cases per day over, mm -hmm. uh, over 100,000. Mm -hmm. And it's using confirmed but plus probable. So long story short, folks, dashboard numbers are going to underestimate your risk. They are going to underestimate your risk every time because of the home tests and because people don't report and people aren't getting, you know, people that need to get tested don't maybe aren't getting tested. But these, are, I think at this point, here's where we are. Mm -hmm. This is where we are. Right. And... Our CDC is going to give us community indicators. I think COVID Act Now is going to help us with our individual family decisions. And then you, dear friend, alerted me to that risk tool that I think is another indicator that could be really helpful. Yeah, that was really cool. And I'm trying to remember the, do you have the website for that? Yeah, it's COVID-19 risk. But this risk indicator actually takes where you are in the country. It is going to give you a percent a percentage, a probability percentage, based on where you are in the community, how many people at your event, what your ascertainment bias is, which I thought was really interesting, meaning for every one positive case that's reported, we think there's four cases in the community. So it's putting that calculation in it and it's helping us make decisions like this. It's saying, I'm, I'm in Johnson County. I'm going to an event or wasn't invited to an event with a hundred people, like a wedding, like going to the movies, right? Based on that tool, it's telling me that today there is a 37% chance that at least one person in that movie theater or one person in that wedding is COVID-19 positive. It's pretty good. Now, if I drop the number to 20, like I'm gonna go hang out in a coffee shop with a friend or mm, daycare, about 20-ish, right? I know this isn't specifically for kids, but I think we could extrapolate this a bit, that it's only a 12% chance. It's only mm -hmm. a 12%, one in those 20 is gonna be positive. 
You right. bump it up to you bump it up to a thousand, a college basketball game, March Madness. You're jumping it up to church, a thousand. Then you're over a 99% chance that somebody's positive in there. And then that also will help us hopefully decide what our personal acceptance of risk is based on right. our personal factors, our personal health conditions, our kids' health conditions. It will be another tool that I think we can blend to be able to make a confident choice. Right. And I think that's an important point is that a lot of this now is going to turn to what is your risk mm -hmm. tolerance? What can you, what risk feels okay for you and doesn't? I don't know if you're seeing this, but I am starting to find that I'm having to coach parents into allowing their kids to not wear a mask at school or whatever, right? Because looking at the risk and all that, like I have so many parents that are so anxious, like vaccinated kids. So vaccinated kids, yeah. you know, who like COVID is really, really low in our area right now. And, and, and it's the same, like, okay, story time. This past week, it was a week ago, Thursday, I was going to get my hair done and I was freaking out. I was texting Natasha mm -hmm. because I knew cases were lower. Like we were getting to a point where it was close to last summer, which last summer I did take my mask off for like a month um, when things were low. And I was like texting Natasha, like, Oh my God, what do I do? I don't know. Should I take my mask off? Like, in my brain, like I'm fully vaccinated, I'm boosted, and I had COVID. I'm going into a small hair salon with a vaccinated hairdresser where I'm not going to be within six feet of anybody other than my hairdresser. And yes, there's going to be other people in there, but I'm just like flipping out. Like, what do I do? What do I do? And thankfully, Natasha coached me through that. And I did go in without a mask and it was anxiety provoking. And I took my mask in with me just in case but there weren't that many people. And, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of that right now is how do we help people kind of walk back some of this stuff? Well, then you had to help me shortly following that with the, with the basketball game. Right. <laughs> we were like helping, we were coaching each other through this and mm -hmm. helping each other through this. Cause I felt really uncomfortable unmasking at my kid's local basketball game. Mm -hmm. And two is, from my perspective, you kept saying, why are you so anxious? Why are you so anxious? Why are you so anxious? And I had to kind of sit with that for a minute because I know in my brain, like it's super low risk. I know just like you did in the hair salon. I know in my brain that I'm max vax and protected vaccines, pr right. protect the vaccinated. I'm good. I think this is why it bothers me is because I feel like if I drop my mask, my initial assumption is that people are going to perceive that as me making that without thought. I, I just think that during this whole time, we've been held to a different standard. And I wouldn't want anyone to think that in my situation, it is not without critical thought that I'm dropping it, which I really need to get over, right? Mm -hmm. I need to work through that. I am less anxious about getting sick myself, more anxious about getting it to a little, and even more anxious about coaching a family who's concerned about wearing masks to say that it's okay to drop them and then they get sick. Like that makes me super nervous. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm having a really hard time rectifying it because if anybody asks me who's my patients, 
I don't want them to get this. I don't, we have spent the last two years, every single day to not have them get this. And so that was, there becomes this really weird responsibility that if I say it's okay to unmask, even though I know with all the data that I'm thinking critically about it. And I want these kids to get back to normal. I don't want to wear a mask all the time. And I have vaccinated kids. Like I fully vaccinated kids. I'm not even navigating that I have littles that aren't vaccinated or that I'm pregnant or I'm an immunocompromised. Like I don't even have that complication in my brain. But so, I feel like that would make it easier. Well, like to, like to me, that would make the decision very easy. And here's what I have to say, listening to your reasoning behind your anxieties, which are super valid and I feel 100% of them. But what have we been here to do for the past year and a half that we've been doing this? We are here to share the science and share the data and encourage people to follow the science, right? And if we are following the science, not following our anxiety, not following what people's perception are of us. If we are following the science and we are max vaxxed, we are low risk, we are in an area where we have less than 5% positivity rate and low case rates, the science then shows that it's what it's you're likely okay to drop that mask. Now, if you're very nervous about it, fine, but I think that we also need to model that for people and model when it is okay or how we're navigating that. You know, do you know, does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And it would make sense. It would make better sense to me if everybody else was thinking through that. I think at this point, also one of my issues and one of my PTSDs about this whole pandemic, I'll just be very frank, is that I know how many people are lying. And I feel like if I take off my mask, I am trusting the science, but I feel like I would be in this group of people that's not necessarily thinking critically about this decision. You know, I want to wear like a shirt that's like, uh, I took off my mask because for 10 pounds of food, I checked these three sources. And <laughs> right, but again, like devil's advocate here. It's the, so for the people who chose not to wear masks and not to get vaccinated as a sign of their political group that they're in don't keep wearing a mask because of of your beliefs about it. do you know what i'm does that make sense like i just it feel totally like totally makes sense. and that's why I, and i understand where you're coming from and i feel the same way but how are we going to walk out of this? Like, we've got to walk out of this. and We've got to figure out how do we walk out of this. And if there's somebody who's not comfortable taking off a mask until there are zero COVID cases in their area for a month, that is fine with me. I don't care. You can do that. I, 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 my risk tolerance is a little bit higher than that. And, and that's, you know, that's how I look at it, you know? No, I know. And I, I appreciate that. And I need to hear from you. And I'm sure I'm going to call you in a text panic sometime in the future about this because I still wore my mask in the grocery store tonight. So anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> I do want to say a couple of other things, though, too, about the mask. And since you have been in a hole and have not seen your social media, there was a, there was a paper that was released today that's going to be in 
our journal of pediatrics about masking because shockingly masks. oh is this the one like masks versus not masks in kids the schools is that what you're talking yeah. about i just i just want to say the consensus stands and for those of you who are still like me navigating a lot of these choices if you're in a high quality mask and you are vaccinated you are well protected and your kids who are wearing good masks at school are protected especially for those with high risk conditions or high risk people at home that may, we need to respect those choices it was a study of 1.1 million students and 157,000 staff over nine different states, including Kansas and Missouri, interestingly enough, that basically said that when you had universal masking in schools, there was a 72% reduction of COVID in schools. And how they managed, how they looked at that is they looked at the, of the cases, 90% of the cases in school came from the community, right? And in the places that had universal masking, there was only a 10% risk of spreading that or a secondary case getting it at school. So just another feather in the hat for masks do work. I know that there was still a lot of contention there, but they're going to start. You'll see that hopefully headline in the next few days. Mm -hmm. um, People want us to get to the vaccine efficacy stuff. Oh yeah. Which, which part, which one? The five to 11 year olds. Oh, I got a lot on that. Okay. What do you want to talk about? We want to start? Well, I like, what do you, you probably have more science than I do. I mean, I just have the numbers, but we've all seen the numbers, I feel like. Okay. So what do you think about the numbers? I think what's important for everybody to remember in this study, number one was that it was during Omicron, right? So remember that vaccine efficacy in general, because of how contagious this virus, this variant was, was lower for everybody, number one. Number two, um, I think it's important to remember that um, the, like, the, the numbers are just wacky in it. You know, like the confidence intervals, did you see the confidence intervals? So when we say confidence intervals, it's like, how in the world? So if I'm saying this correctly, so a 95% confidence interval means that there is a less than 5% chance that the data is, that the number is wrong, basically, right? right? So, um, but whenever you have a confidence interval that passes zero, like that just is, is not a good look, right? You just don't not want your confidence look. interval. So for example, for children five to 11, the hospitalization drop, this will give you an idea, went from 100% confident or 100% um, re risk reduction with a confidence interval of negative 189% to 100% to 48%. So it went from 100% to 48%. And the 48% confidence interval was negative 12 to 75%. So basically, there were not enough kids in that 5 to 11 age group that they looked at this that it even matters, right? You're exactly right. So here's the crux of the problem. And there's another big problem with the math too. The problem is, is that on February 28th, that preprint, which is not peer reviewed friends, got all the headlines in the New York Times. And the headlines specifically said, 
that the vaccine is, quote, far less effective in 5 to 11-year-olds, which is a completely irresponsible title, okay, and an alarming title, and really surprises me about Apoorva, who has been very reliable through this whole pandemic with a lot of her reporting for the Times. I've talked to her multiple times, which makes me think there's a little editing mumbo-jumbo going on with this whole thing. But the problem is, is when it's in the Times as a headline like that, people read the headline, and then they freaking retweet it, and they throw masks about it, and mitigation, and you, this is why we can't, da 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 da, da and nobody freaking reads the paper. So mass up livers, friends, colleagues, community. When you see a headline that's very alarming, what do we do? We got to go and look at the paper. We have to go see where the source is, right? And so the first thing right at the top is that this is a preprint and should not affect clinical judgment because it's not been reviewed by its peers. So how this got headlines in the New York Times is beyond me because the paper that did matter from the MMWR, it was freaking radio silence. And that's what pissed me off about the whole thing, okay? So yes, the confidence intervals were crappy, but also how they calculated vaccine effectiveness was not how we calculate vaccine effectiveness. When we calculate, we expect effectiveness to be less than efficacy. Roll tape whenever we talked about this before on Mass Off Live, right? Yeah. So, so efficacy is randomized control trials, very sterile, very like this is the experiment. Effectiveness is real world data. And that's what we want to see is really how these vaccines are working in the real world. But how we usually, how we usually do the math on that is we say how many people who are unvaccinated who got sick minus how many people who are vaccinated who got sick over people who are vaccinated who got sick times 100. That is your vaccine effectiveness in every single paper. They calculated vaccine effectiveness with an uh, instant rate ratio, which is events over time for unvaccinated over vaccinated. Like that's not even how we calculate vaccine effectiveness. Now, I am not a statistician. I am not an epidemiologist. All I know is that that's not how we usually do this. And there was no explanation in the paper when I went to the source of the information to see what that headline was. This is a freaking big potential deal. And there was no explanation in the methods of why they calculated it so differently, which makes me really upset with the writers of this paper, because if you're gonna do something that's really off the wall, I don't know if that's correct. I don't, I don't have a degree in statistics, but you should have an explanation in the methods of why you are calculating something completely different than we usually calculate it. That's the first thing that, that's the first problem that I have with the paper. The second is, is that they only use this using registries. So they only calculated it using vaccine registry, reported PCR of COVID-19, which we know is completely inaccurate during Omicron with all the home testing, and then just did hospital registries of just people that were COVID-19 positive in the hospital. Not that they were there for COVID-19, but they were positive for COVID-19. And we have absolutely no idea if these kids were asymptomatic or not asymptomatic. The hospital rate at its max was the number eight. You cannot make clinical judgment on a hospitalization rate of eight children Okay, you cannot make judgments on that. That's why the confidence interval was so effed up. 
and it didn't account for anybody with immuno that was immunocompromised that had significant comorbidities like who were these kids that were in the hospital who were these kids that were sick we have no details because this is a bunch of number people grabbing numbers off databases in order to be able to put this all together so here's This is like the developmental milestones times 10. No, I'm just telling you because this is so shitty. Because you yeah. know what happens is people come into my office and it's like, well, that sucks about the 5 to 11s. I guess I won't vaccinate my two-year-old. This shit matters. How it's presented matters. And you need to be able to present it in an appropriate way for people to freaking understand because this makes, this helps us make medical decisions. So here's my summary yes five to eleven shots matter yes they are helping them yes it's protecting against misc yes it's protecting against complications like long covid yes it is a limit even though kids make it infected it is limiting their viral load and limiting the duration that they are spreading illness which is helping us stop this crappy pandemic that we all want to get out of and by putting headlines like this in the new york times is completely irresponsible especially when and I am a big fan of the New York Times. I hope to be published in the New York Times someday, quite honestly. And this is this is why I just nobody, nobody tell the New York Times don't share this episode with the New York Times. Nobody. So where was the headline on March fourth that actually used an MMWR report for this for a cohort of American children, not just New York State, but a representative sample of American children? Okay, also during Omicron, who had who calculated vaccine effectiveness in our traditional way, in our normal way, that then showed that vaccines were protecting five to 11s had a 74% protection, right? They also, of our 12 pluses, up to 92% protection against hospitalization when they had the vaccine, okay? And yes, the five to 11, the, the effectiveness dropped the effectiveness dropped for five to 11 friends, but you know what happened? And you know what the MMWR said? That popped right back up to over 80% protection with what? With what, Nicole? Not one, not two, but three shots. Three. Okay? So once you got that boost, once you got that boost, you popped right back to an excellent, excellent, excellent protection of significant disease. So yes, the 5 to 11s matter. And I'm going to add that and check the column of get your effing booster. Omicron was not your child's booster. You need to get a third booster. You need to get a third dose to complete your series. And if you have not started your 5 to 11s yet, those first two doses by six to eight weeks, okay? And let's keep in mind at the end of it all, and then I'm going to take a drink. This, my friends, is the only shot we got. This is the only frickin' shot we have got. So we have to make the best of it. It's not going to be perfect. But we have to understand its purpose. It is not to give sterile immunity. It's not to protect PCR, not to prevent PCRs from turning positive. It's from kids going to the hospital from dying. By the way, three kids are still dying of COVID every single day in this country as they have been for the last few weeks. And if, if 
we had something else in which three kids were dying every single day, like riding in a BMW, you're sure shit everyone would not be driving BMWs if three kids were dying a day. But apparently nobody cares that three kids are dying a day and we're saying that vaccines don't work and all this kind of stuff. So I'm going to sit down. Have a drink. Um, a lot of people are asking, um, boosters have not yet been approved for 5 to 11s yet because they're not six months post their or five months post their dose, right? So um so i'm sure that 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 is definitely being studied right now they're looking at a third dose and i and and i want to backtrack because in the middle of the rant you may or may not missed where natasha said spacing the dose out six to eight weeks probably is going to help with efficacy of these and and, and so is did that come out in the last two weeks about the 12 and overs or was that out before no, that was like, that was like news that the CDC freaking swept under the rug. That's like a huge, talk about a huge clinical, like huge Because that came out right when all the drop the mask shit came out. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it did. Yeah, so in case you guys missed it. That did not get a headline. That did not get a headline. That's a big In case you missed it, what the CDC came out and said was the 12 and overs specifically. They did not comment on the 5 to 11s. I think Dr. Ta Natasha and I are not giving medical advice to you guys because you're not our patients. We are just saying in general, as we have thought for quite some time now, because again, keep in mind, these vaccines were studied the way they were studied because we were in the middle of a highly, like we're in the middle of a global pandemic and not that we aren't still, but it's a very different world we're in right now than what we were in a year ago. And so the point a year ago was, let's get vaccines into people's arms as quickly as we possibly can. Let's get as many people vaccinated as quickly as we possibly can. Now we have a little bit of breathing room to step back and say, okay, let's look at this dosing interval since we have a little bit more time and say, is three weeks optimal? Is three weeks ideal? Or can we wait a little bit longer? Because again, the way our immune systems work is you need that prime and then you need that boost, not booster, but you need a, to, something to prime your immune system and then boost up your immune system. And that takes a few weeks to kind of that prime to get set up to be prepared for that boost. Every other vaccine that we give um, with the exception of hepatitis B and Men and meningococcal B vaccine, basically, they're all spaced typically at least eight weeks apart, six to eight weeks apart. Um, at the, they can be given four weeks apart if they have to, but um, for the most part, they're given eight weeks apart. So that's where we're looking at like, okay, efficacy wasn't always the best. Maybe part of that's because we gave it too close together. So mm -hmm. I don't know. That's kind of what, what do you have to say about that? I completely agree. And I think that science is, Science is changing all the time, people. And we have, so we have an opportunity to make adjustments that are evidence-based, evidence-based in order to optimize the care that we're giving. And in our opinion, which is not medical advice and not, not supported by our employees, doesn't represent who we work for, doesn't represent our friends, family, neighbors, pets, or anybody affiliated with us. I think the data continues to show 
that now that we're outside of our immediate crisis, apparently, because the CDC says we are, um, since we're not in our immediate crisis, we have the luxury of being able to optimize our delivery system. I would also like to say too, that I do think, and I've talked to many of my families about this, I do think that it's gonna be a three-dose series, but I think that we also have to just kind of understand that our kids have many, many long, long life years left, right? Many more than us, right? And they, they are going to be battling with this particular virus, its variants, its cousins, and likewise for the rest of their lives. COVID's not going away. It will become endemic. It will be less of a concern, but it will something that they will be something that they will have to be immunized against for the rest of their life. So that being said, there may be a vaccine that comes in the future that is a different vector, or maybe it's nasal, or maybe it's a cream that we put on our faces. I don't know what it's going to be, but this is going to be a consistent dialogue and things are going to change in order to have lifelong protection against this disease that is causing multiple children to die, that's caused millions of people to die around the world that have left, I don't know, oh, we missed this headline, um, 5.2 million children on this planet without a parent. That's a big fucking deal. Like, so we need to be moldable and malleable to changes. And this is gonna, we're gonna work together to do that. And just because something changes, doesn't mean it was wrong before. We are making the best decisions with the information that we know today. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I do want to say a couple of things about tests and the accuracy of the home tests specifically. Okay. Um, there was, this is also a preprint. Okay. This is also a preprint, but there was a preprint released in the last week that did look about home test accuracy, like head to head between Delta and Omicron. It was an interesting study design that made sense where these very dedicated volunteers gave, gave themselves PCRs and home tests every three days. Okay. Oh. So God bless these, God bless these people. Okay. That I are hope they got paid time. a lot of money. Yeah, I hope they got paid. paid a lot of money. Based on that, the sensitivity and specificity was very similar, if not improved, between Delta and Omicron, which was surprising. If you use an FDA-approved test, which apparently a lot of the data is getting muddy because some of the tests out there are not FDA-approved, so be smart about what you buy, mm -hmm. and you have to use them as directed. So don't stick them in your poop or stick them in your throat or do whatever. Use them as directed, and they were similar to Delta and Omicron. One, one one person had a really smart question too about the accuracy of home tests as the rates decline. And I just want to address this really quickly because this is kind of our life. And that is talking, I know we've talked about this briefly before, but we didn't have to talk about it for a while. And that is the accuracy of a test based on pretest probability. Okay. For a very high level, when Nicole and I order a test or order a lab or test you for COVID or test you for flu, it's because we are looking for that test to confirm our suspicion of a disease that you may have. We're not shooting in the dark. We don't test without context of what that test is. So if I have a very high pre-test probability, meaning I have a high suspicion of the disease that you may have before I test you, the accuracy of those results are going to be more reliable. 
This becomes important because as COVID rates really drop in our communities, as they're dropping, 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 you are going to have a lot more false positives of your home test, which is important to keep in mind. So as our numbers get really, really low and you're doing home tests, positive, positive tests, negative tests, you are, I would encourage you to retest. There's a reason that two come in the box, okay? If you are testing and you have just been ex around a person that's exposed, you've been exposed to a person, you've got a sore throat, you've got a runny nose, and you're positive, the pretest probability is really high. And so if you get a positive test, that's likely pretty reliable. But if you just went to spring break, you were in Arizona, you were outside the entire time, Arizona's rates are really low, and you come back and you get a positive COVID test, that pretest probability was really low, and I wouldn't think that that positive was as reliable. I know it's kind of confusing, but I think we have to remember that all tests are in context, and there, there are questions we have to answer of why we're doing the test and why we are confirming it. I would agree. I can understand how people might get a little bit confused by that. I think pretest probability helps us understand how trustworthy the results are. Right? Yes. So if your pretest probability is you think it's very unlikely that you have COVID and you get a negative test, then it's likely that you're right. It's likely that that test is what you would expect it to be. If you have a very low likelihood that you have COVID and you get a positive test, those are mismatched, right? So then it's, it's more likely that your test could potentially be wrong. Flip that around. So you would want to retest or get a PCR. Correct. Flip that around back when we were at the height of the Omicron wave, when we were, when your pretest probability was high that you would have COVID because we were seeing so much COVID, like everybody had COVID, everybody was exposed to COVID. If you had a positive test, then you trust that result because those match up, right? But if your pretest probability is high and you have a negative test, you may not be able to trust that result, okay? Because those don't match up. Hence, like, that's what happened with me. When I first tested, I was negative at first um, and then tested again and was positive. So it's more of like, think about it as a mismatch. And I know it's hard to always like know, okay, like what is the probability of COVID? And, and guess what, guys? That's our job. So don't feel like you have to make that decision. I absolutely love that so many parents are testing at home right now. Um, I think it's amazing. But then they're still coming in to me to ask me the question. And then it's my decision as your pediatrician to say, you know what? I don't actually think you need a COVID test because I think your pretest, I don't say these words to them, but you know, like your pretest probability is low. You took two home tests. They're both negative. I don't need to test you because I trust the test. Wait, I'm sorry. Are you, are you saying, are you saying that you're thinking, that you're thinking about this stuff? That you I have mean, I'm a level I'm of trying expertise. to think about it. That you might have a level of expertise in this decision making? Just a little, just a little. I am not an armchair pediatrician. I'm actually the real deal. Yes, that's right. And you know what? We didn't ask to become uh, solid in these numbers. We didn't ask for this either, but we're trying our damnedest to try and do the best we can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and someone's asking when to retest. 
probably within like 24 to 36 hours. I wouldn't retest right away um, because again, I don't think that testing right away is gonna change a whole lot. Nope. As we learned before, oftentimes, especially early on in symptoms, things were negative and then we tested the next you know, day yep. and they turned positive. Okay, cool. Anyways, that's uh, what I gotta say about that. What else? Let's see. Now, mass off livers, I just want to know that want everyone to know that I say gay and I also encourage and help direct gender affirming care for our children. I was like, what are you talking about? I like I again, not been believe. in the news. I don't know what you're talking about. Freaking for I freaking Florida and freaking Texas are like off the rails. Yeah. And I um here's me. I'm trying to navigate shitty headlines in the New York Times. I'm trying to navigate this terrible, like, talk about damaging to children. Um, Floridians don't have to, you know, let's not give COVID shots to kids. Let's don't say gay. Let's not give them gender-affirming care. Like, oh, by the way, there's a war going on. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm kind of losing it. Do I look like I'm losing it? Because I'm kind of losing it. Well, because if when I turn on my Twitter feed, I'm like, I, I really am like, is this, is this the onion? Is this the onion? What is this? Is this the real? Like, I can't even tell anymore. The fact that you can turn on your Twitter feed means you're in a better place than I am. Because it's no wonder my mental health is in the shitter. Because I can't even, like, I am to the point of withdrawal. Like, I can't even look at that shit. I just like to curl up on my couch and watch my show, which we'll talk about later what we're watching. And I, I just, I, I just can't, I can't, I can't. You know what? I'm, I'm trying because I, because I have to believe, I have to believe and I'm, call me a Pollyanna and look at my rose colored glasses, but I can't believe that this is that this like is really where we're headed like i have to believe that there are sensible people in this planet that will be able to help us because i and i'm not that person like i'm just trying to take care of the kids man like i'm just trying to help the parents i'm trying to take care of the kids trying to keep them out of the fucking hospital i want to i want to support whatever gender they want to be and whatever, whoever they love, I don't care. I just want to make sure they're happy and that they're healthy and they leave my practice in like a state where they're going to be thriving and happy people. And, and I know pediatricians in Texas and Florida feel that way too. Mm -hmm. Like I know excellent pediatricians in Texas. I know yep. excellent pediatricians in Florida who are going to give kids the care that they need regardless of what that is, but it's making our job so much fucking harder. And it's really, really, really tough right now. Right. And it's just, it's just a lot. Yeah. Um, just to Anne add to, before we go to after hours, I do want to say we had a local tragedy like in our community this last couple weeks that really kind of set me over the edge and um, a little too close to home. And we're just, I'm just very saddened and um Kind of at uh i really don't have words about aletha east so i just i want um all of our kansas city friends and our aletha east friends to know that we're thinking about them and i'm already take, trying to take care of kids who have already 
really kind of spiraled um, because they were close to someone at Olathe East or they knew someone or they were uh, remotely involved and it's, um, it's, been, it's been a lot to navigate these last, and then when you start to hear these other like things that are so distracting um, to just trying to take care of the kids, it's, it's mm -hmm. been a little rough. So hearts to our, not only our Olathe community, but our other wider community because this affects us all and our thoughts to not only the families involved and the perpetrator, but the, the, the support that the perpetrator needs and, and hopefully he will get help and be treated fairly through all of this mess. And um, since we are an international sensation and on this note, can we please extend our love to our Ukrainian friends yes. out there? Because I mean, again, it, this is, yeah, I, I like, I don't even have words, you know, tr like seeing images of families separated at train stations and hearing stories from people that I know that have relatives in Ukraine and, you know, their, their young sons are being, are asked, being asked to fight or are going into fight. And I just, I mean, it's like, again, this whole that like that's why that's part of the reason I cannot be on social media right now because I can't handle all of these images right I like I just and I feel bad about that and I feel bad like I feel so guilty that I'm not posting and I'm not like oh whatever but I like guys I can't like I cannot I have to protect my mental health because it ain't good right so I don't know but anyways like my heart is there my my prayers are there i just am beyond saddened by what is happening over in ukraine and the fact that it's like crisis on top of crisis right right and it's just um and then yeah, what's and then what's happening i mean like the flip side is like everything pulling out of russia and then so these poor russian citizens that are there now who like their currency basically means very little, I think at this point. And so, you know, what is happening to them who potentially don't support what's going on in their own country? I mean, it just blows me away. And I think, I, you know, I think that it, I think that's part of the reason a lot of people aren't talking about COVID anymore. I think we just can't handle it all. You know, I, I think, I feel like I was, I said to a mom today, I was like, you know, I said, oh, don't you know, COVID doesn't exist anymore. And she was like, she was like, what? I said, well, because there's a war, like, and that's what we're talking about. And it's hard because I understand both sides of it. Like, I understand why we're talking, this is, we need to talk about this war. And we also need to talk about COVID, but to talk about both just is like so heavy. I don't know how people can handle both you know what i mean i don't i don't know the right answer i don't think anybody can i don't think anybody should um i just i yeah anyways I after hours i'm gonna after pour hours. myself some more hot water do you have hell no let's goes i do uh, i do have a list do you have a list did you get yes. any okay yes i did get a few Okay, I do have a Hello Let's Go. Um, 
I have a humble Escalus, and I just have like a couple of questions. Questions yep. to debate, okay? Yep. Hold on, let me make sure that I... Sorry, I apologize to those who've been here for a while. I just really had to rant on that New York Times. Thing. I don't, I feel a little ranty tonight, even more than last time, but I think that's also a reflection of my mental health, and I think that all of this is like, to some, to some of us who look at this, it's like, so effing clear like why is this like even happening and that and it's just increasingly feeling helpless that's all i'll say okay yeah uh hello let's go you got a list you want to start sure okay so vacay at an airbnb all adults are vaxxed hold on, hold, on. Old dog, hold on the dogs are going crazy kevin just got home lachlan started flag football in the spring? Yeah, they're doing a spring sesh for flag. He's never done flag before. So this okay. is kind of like a warm up to see if you want to do it in the fall. Because he okay. is transitioning from baseball, which is kind of a big deal for him. So there's a lot of transitions happening in the Burger household. We are transitioning out of baseball. He's just coming home from flag. And of course, his curling career is just on the rise. Taking off. That's right. Taken off. Okay. Just taken off. Okay. You ready? Go again. Thank you. Okay. Yes, Vacay to an Airbnb. All the adults are vaccinated. The seven-year-old is vaccinated, but there's two kids that are not vaccinated. I'm assuming because they're too young to be vaccinated. Hell no. Let's go. To an Airbnb. Yes. Let's go. That's fine. Yeah. Right. I, I I agree. I think I said let's go to like every vacation question I got. Yeah, most vacation. Well, I think people are are making smart decisions about their vacations. Yeah. Okay, so I have a lot. Well, I have some that are not about vacations. Okay. Um, do I do swim lessons if I do not know the vaccine status of the teacher? We've talked. How many times have we talked about swim lessons? Um. 1,422. And what do I say every time? Let's go! Because kids can drown and your kids need to learn how to swim. Yes. So okay. I say, I say let's go. And it, but you can ask, you can ask totally. if they're vaccinated or not. Yes, it is not a HIPAA violation for you to ask friends. Yeah. No. Ask that teacher. If you feel uncomfortable, get a different teacher. But your kids need to be in swim lessons. And swim lessons are a very low-risk activity practice yep. because COVID of, does not transmit in the water. Does not transmit in water. It's very high humidity. It's very good ventilation. The air is full of chlorine, <laughs> and and it's naturally you're you're fairly distanced in space. So and kids drown. So please, 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 all of everyone at Mass Live, make sure that your kids are in swim lessons because we have skipped out on swim lessons for. A year, if not two, and now is the time to get in the pool. Yep. Okay, I got one. Okay. Um, we have a very important hell no, let's go from a K Burget one. K Burget one, I think is how you say that. Um, oh, I think hell it's no, Berger. let's go. It is it Berger? Berger? It could be Berger. K Berger one. Um, um, what is swim it, what lessons swim lessons for a four-year-old on a plane if 
The instructor is Snoop Dogg. Oh, that's a let's go, friends. I would say it's been Snoop Dogg. Let's go. Anything with Snoop Dogg is let's go. I do have to say, back in the beginning, I saw Jen Johnson on here who said she tried my Snoop Dogg wine after the last time and she liked it. So, okay. 19 Crimes, Snoop Dogg wine. Sponsor us. 19 Crimes, drink the Snoop Dogg wine. Moving on. Everybody knows 19 Crimes. We'll be happy. We'll be happy to support them. Okay. What? Okay. I have another Hell No Let's Go, a serious one that's not from your husband. Um, in-person church yeah. with a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Hell no, let's go. Well, let's go if they let's go if they mask if they if they can mask. I would still mask my unvaccinated people in church, for sure. Yeah. And I've I've got a couple of questions about indoor church as well because I know Easter coming up and we've all yeah. missed a lot of religious holidays, my family included. Um. And I think and the size of your church matters. The size of your church totally matters. You can use the tool that we mentioned before. If you're going to a mega church with a thousand people based on your community rate, you're going to know exactly what your risk is going to be. If you go to a small rural town and, and you have 20 people in the pews, that's a really different situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I still think, even though everyone else has moved on with the pandemic, that those who are vaccinated in a high risk situation like that, I just. I would prefer not to get infected, so I would probably wear a mask, but I feel very comfortable in that situation, like to go with a mask. I still think that a whole bunch of singing people, we have learned is an aerosol producing problem. And if you're in, a, if you're in an area of the country in which COVID Act Now is telling you that you have, you've got higher rates, I don't know if this is your year, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I hate saying that, but when you are, that is why this decision and why Pfizer, <laughs> Pfizer get, allowing us to get vaccines in these kids, even if it's not protecting against asymptomatic percent, asymptomatic PCR positive BS, whatever, we need to get our vaccines in our littles. I'm dying to hear from Pfizer because if I could say that all of my six month plusers are vaccinated, then please go to church. I mean, I don't know. What are you saying, Nicole? I don't know. No, I think I think you're right. I think that I think that at for us as pediatricians, when we are able to confidently know that our six month and over kiddos have the opportunity to be vaccinated, um, then I think we will feel less guilt. I think that's part of the reason why we are having such a hard time and so much anxiety with taking masks off, because we know that there is a subset of our population that does not yet have the opportunity to be protected and the there are parents that you know are just feeling very left behind in all of this throughout the whole pandemic they have been left behind in in guidance no i, can, I completely agree i completely yeah. agree and, and here's the deal we are going to do our damnedest we're going to do our hardest as we have our mass off live this whole damn time to help parents understand the science so they can be confident in their decision-making, right? Confident in their decision-making about the 12 and above. So that's what we strive for. Confident in our decision-making for five to 11s. No thanks to the New York Times. That is what we're here for, right? And we need to have, we, and we will be confident, I really, really hope, for the rest. Because that's right. If we can have pregnant women that are vaccinated, that covers them six months. 
then that way our entire patient population, the ones that we care about the most, and I don't give a rip what people say that it's mild and three kids are dying every single day, this freaking matters to us. And, and, and we're all, yes, I think you're exactly right, Nicole. Like we really, it's one thing when people have the opportunity and they don't choose it versus they don't have the opportunity. Right. And I want my families to have that opportunity to have that choice and it's not going to be perfect. And it's not going to be hundred percent and there's still going to be daycare outbreaks and that's what's still going to happen, but we're still going to have those, the big things, the big risk factors protected against that'll make us feel a lot better. And it's not happening by this Easter. Nope. Sorry, friends. And I want to talk about that because I think I got a question that kind of goes along with this. So, um, and this was in my DMs because it wouldn't fit in the question box. Um, so this person was asking, so if they're max vaxxed, their family is max vaxxed, and they know a and they want to ha ha hang out, right? They want to hang out with other people. They know a family who is not vaccinated and their kids are not vaccinated, even though they can be vaccinated. So what they're asking is, does that put their vaccinated family at risk to hang out with this unvaccinated family? And I know what I think about that, but. I think that the vaccines protect the vaccinated. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. I think that's right. I think that's right. And I feel as like. As long as the unvaccinated family is feeling well, that's the only thing. Like, I would be pissed if I went over there and, like, their kid has, like, a runny nose and a fever. Yeah. And that would really upset me. But if their kids are feeling well, the vaccines protect the vaccinated. Your advantage is because you are vaccinated. And right. you get the luxury of choice because you are vaccinated. Right. I don't know. Part of me just feels like being an asshole in this. Like I, in the beginning, when there were, were large portions of people that were unable to be vaccinated, right? There was no vaccine availability. I felt very different than I do now for adults, not for kids because kids aren't making their own choice. But if like you as an adult have chosen not to be vaccinated, like I'm, I, I, I don't, I, I'm not gonna like go out of my way to try to protect you. Am I, am I, is that an ass, is that an asshole thing to say? I just feel like you've had the opportunity to protect yourself. I don't know what, you know? And the thing is, is that we don't hang around those people. No. Well, I, mean, I do. I have family members that are like that. No, that's true. That's true. That's true. I forgot about that. But, but those family members have made their choice. And so I choose to love them as our family members. And yes, we were with them at Christmas. And guess what? We got COVID. And we took that risk and we dealt with it. And it is the risk you take. Like, I think that's, again, all of this is about managing that risk. And it sucked. But, you know, but I don't know. But here, here's the reality, though. Like, we, we, especially if everybody's dropping masks and it doesn't matter anymore and the pandemic's over, being around your family members is probably not going to be that much of a difference of risk than going to work than going to these other places where people aren't wearing masks anymore. Right? So it's are you having, are you, you having less get people mad at your brother-in-law anymore because you probably got COVID from somewhere else. 
Yeah, like, are you having less people walk into your office unmasked? Or I sorry, more people? More people yes. walk in unmasked? Yeah. I'm like, okay guys, let's just let's okay. just put this out there. Yeah. The whole like drop the mask thing does not apply does not in apply. healthcare settings. Doesn't apply. So you still need a mask in the health in healthcare settings. So please, when y'all are walking into my damn office, please bring your mask. Yes, we have a mask for you. We absolutely do. And if you walk in and tell me you're anti-mask, you're gonna get a side eye from Dr. Baldwin. Well, and the thing is, is that you can go elsewhere for care then. Go somewhere else. If you don't, that's the policy. And that's OSHA policy. And that's also CDC policy. And I will also say, keep your damn mask on while we're not in the room. I don't like going into the room where they all have, have not had their mask on. And then, oh, I walk in and then everyone puts their mask on. That's not the freaking point. When you come into a medical office building, you put your mask on, you keep it on, and then please remove it when you leave. And I will be happy to provide you one, but it sure is a lot more environmental friendly if you bring your own. My one exception and the one time I'm like, yes, please take your mask off is the parent of the toddler who will yes. not let them keep the mask on their face. And I'm like, right. absolutely go ahead. Cause it's like this constant, like down and the parents pulling it up and the kids pulling it down and then they're ripping the mask off and they're doing this and they're doing that. And I'm just like, no, just take it off. It's okay. Because that, the whole point is if everybody else in my office is wearing a mask. Right. But that's also joint decision-making behind a closed door, right? Like you need to go in expecting that you need to wear it. And I certainly have some kids that are, have neurologic differences and all of that kind of stuff that when we are behind closed doors, I allow them to drop the mask and I ask permission from the family, may I drop my mask as well? That is a different situation. I am talking about normal, neuro, neurotypical, normal families. Just please be respectful of our office because we still have masking rules that apply because of OSHA and CDC, we are not, we are, we are exempt from like the county CDC red, yellow, green. That doesn't apply to us. And your risk level is higher of being exposed to COVID in our office, guys. Yeah. Just keep just keep in mind the person that was in there before could have had COVID. Yeah. I mean, right now it's low. We're not seeing a ton. What are you guys seeing in your office recently? Uh, we had a couple daycare outbreaks in the last couple of weeks, but, uh, but very isolated. In general, now everybody is puking. We have tested every, we had tested for a full week. We tested everybody who was puking for COVID because we know GI symptoms are with COVID and everybody was negative. It's yeah. the plain old stomach flu, friends. So wash yep. your damn hands. Yep. Yeah, we had, two weeks ago, we had zero positive COVID cases for a week in all three of our offices. Last week, we had two positive COVID cases. So like our percent positivity went from 0% positivity to 2.9% positivity, um, which I think the 2.9 is interesting because that actually reflects our community rate, what our community rate is right now. Um, but yeah, I think that it's definitely very low, very low. Very low. Uh, wash your hands. Everyone's wearing masks. Nobody's talking about washing their hands. Wash your hands, friends. Um, okay, I gotta whip through. I got a lot of hella let, let's goes. Do you wanna keep Do going? Do it. Okay. Rapid fire. Okay, rapid fire. Uh, unvaccinated three-year-old is going to be a ring bearer and look amazing, by the way. Uh, had COVID 10 
weeks before the wedding, there's going to be unvaccinated guests there. Does that little three-year-old need to wear a mask while he's delivering that, that symbol, the symbol of no beginning and no end to this relationship, to this lovely couple? No, he no. does not. Okay, no, he does not. Let's go. Um, I love this question. We've talked about this question before. Unvaccinated grandma, again, her choice at this point, right? Unvaccinated Come on, grandma. grandma. Come on. Come on, grandma. Uh, um, here's the question that I love. Okay to meet the newborn without a mask. Mom was boosted in pregnancy. Sorry, say it again. Newborn, what? Meet the newborn without a mask. Unvaccinated grandma wants to meet the newborn without a mask. Mom was vaccinated during pregnancy. Grandma should take a rapid test before she comes over. Grandma should not, not going to do that. Don't even ask her. Then I don't know how I feel about it. I know how I feel about it, okay? I know how I feel about it. I mean, I feel like that newborn is protected. I that feel like the newborn is protected. That newborn is protected. That newborn is getting durable, durable antibodies. That baby, you get boosted during pregnancy. That baby pops out with anti-spiked antibodies. Guarantee it 100% because the human body is amazing. Okay? Now, that unvaccinated grandma is going to be able to see that newborn, and they're going to be able to hug and kiss and do whatever they want to do. But after that, as soon as that baby starts, I don't know how long those durable antibodies are going to last. So enjoy your time, grandma, because every time that you see that kid after that, you're going to be wearing a mask and you're going to be testing before. That's my answer. You get one shot, grandma one shot i think it's a great reason to get grandma to get vaccinated right. tell her that exactly. dr natasha and dr nicole said hell no it actually it actually it actually is right right okay yeah. swim lessons swim lessons swim lessons again mama's pregnant and high risk how old's the kid Oh God, that's, if mom is pregnant and high risk, I would probably avoid that right now. I, I just am worried about mom. I'm worried about mom. If mom is pregnant and high risk, I would still do swimming lessons, but I'd make sure that they were outdoor. Oh, that's a good thought. But if you're in like, so I never think about outdoor swim lessons because I live in a colder climate. Well, during the summer though, here in right. our like, neighborhood, you can get but I'm thinking they're asking like now. I'm thinking they're asking like right now. Well, I think you're signing up now for summer swim lessons, aren't you? I guess. I don't know. I don't, Our kids know I, how to I, swim. Kids need to know how to swim. So if we have high-risk individuals at home, I would choose swimming events this summer in which they're outside. Yeah. How about that? Uh, interesting question here. Do you anticipate another surge in schools when everyone returns from spring break? Yes. Yes. But I don't think it's going to be big like, like the one before. Do you? I disagree. I disagree because last spring break, what did we do? Let me tell you what Kansans did. I know you're a Ohioan. You may not understand. Kansans went to Colorado to go skiing. Kansans went down to Oklahoma or went to Dallas. Kansans went to um, Pensacola. They went to Orlando, okay? 
they kind of did these little domestic car trips last year and we still saw a spike. You know what Kansans are doing this year for spring break? They're going to Italy, to London. They are going to Croatia. They are going to uh, Seattle. They are going back to Disney World. They are going to Dallas. They are going to Hawaii. People are rage traveling for spring break. They are going far. They are going wide. They are going to a lot of different places. So we, but last year, I think was domestic and we had a little bump. We are going international now. And I think we're going to see a bump. That's but, what I what are, but hold on. What are the testing requirements? Cause I feel like internationally, there are more strict testing requirements. Are they not, are they, have those been dropped? If I go to Mexico, I could get a negative test on the street corner for $10. Like, do you think that's reliable? Girl, I'm not talking about Mexico. I'm talking about all these people who are getting on cruise ships. All these people are doing whatever. They have to have negative tests. Okay, you're correct. If you're coming back positive. You're on cruise. I will never cruise again. I will never cruise again. Tons of people going to Mexico. $10. And I can get, and I can get a negative COVID test and probably something that Snoop Dogg wants. And then I can also go anywhere international and be able to get a, do you know how they do these tests? You know how they do these tests? They're like, hey, Dr. Baldwin, I need to have a conference call. I need to do a, uh, this is a uh, video chat to make sure that you're doing your, your test correctly. Can you please demonstrate you putting the swab in your nose? <laughs> Give me a break. Boy, you have so little faith in people. I am so naive. I, I actually trust people a little bit. Okay, okay, maybe you do. Call me, call me wrong, call me wrong, call me wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I think you're probably right. But I feel like, I feel like last, I, I also feel like last spring we were in a very different place in terms of vaccines and and some disease-based immunity. We do not call it natural immunity around here because Dr. Baldwin will go off and her head will explode. However, having this huge now again, I don't know, is all of that immunity gonna like wane because we all got it at the beginning of January? Or is it all gonna I'm be just BA2? Is it all gonna huh? be BA2? That badass too, that is all like immune evasive. All I know is in our office, we're making sure we have plenty of cartridges to test for COVID-19 during the last two weeks of March. Oh, our Here's spring break's not till April, so. You don't have spring break till April? Cause we go over Easter. Oh, our spring break started actually tomorrow. Cause we have a snow day tomorrow. And then our spring break starts on Friday. We have they've a snow day? They've already called snow day for us tomorrow. We have a snow day tomorrow. Spring break starts on Friday. So like people are leaving to all of these places like <clears throat> some, like Saturday. Damn, no wonder it was so hard for me to get a flight to Baton Rouge this weekend. Hell no, let's go, let's continue. Let's continue, let's continue. Keep going, I don't have any more. Okay, family is not boosted. Visit, can we visit with our under five children indoors? 
Family is not boosted. I'm I'm assuming that includes that they have had two, but not their boost. Can their young children, unvaccinated children, visit them indoors? Again, guys, don't forget the test. Like, do a damn test before y'all get together, and then yes. I feel like yes. Right okay. now, cases are so low. Okay, fair. My two-year-old, can they visit their anti-vax, anti-mask grandparents without a mask? Why? <laughs> Sorry. Next. I mean, again, it's the same, like, <laughs> so they probably won't test either. I don't know. Why do people have to be jerks? <laughs> Dr. Baldwin says, why? <laughs> it's not medical advice, people. Okay. I love this. I love this question. I'd love, I'm going to really be curious in your answer. <laughs> I just want to grab the emesis bags before this. Uh, an indoor bounce house party for a five-year-old. And again, I answer, why? Why? What the hell is an indoor bounce house party? So we let's have be inside and let's blow up this big ass death trap of craziness inside so that we're going to be inside and then we're going to shove these kids into a smaller environment inside. Oh my God. Have you ever seen the movie um, Four Christmases? No. Oh, who, who on here has seen Four Christmases and knows exactly what I'm talking about? Reese Witherspoon on, for, on the movie Four Christmases. Next Christmas, you need to watch it. She has this fear of bounce houses because when she was a kid, she like got trapped in a bounce house or something happened. <laughs> and so like as an adult, she gets trapped in this bounce house with all these little shitty kids who are like bullying her, right? She is a grown ass woman and they're bullying her inside of this bounce house. It is so funny. I need to just find the scene on YouTube and send it to you guys. Um, <laughs> But anyways, sorry. Keep moving. Keep going. The bounce house is just, it makes me laugh. Okay. I like how people are like, should this be a hell no, let's go, or why? <laughs> Two-year-old two seeing unvaxxed relatives who don't mask. Why? This, why? It's the same question. It's the same question. Oh my God. Okay. Indoor church. I just think you just need to straight up say, hell no, let's go to this one because I think everybody's different on this one. Indoor church with a, with a four-year-old who can mask and a seven-month-old. But it's, there's not a black and white. I can't. Because if your church is indoor and there's 30 people, I would be fine with that. And 15 of them are your relatives who are vaccinated. <laughs> That's not unvaxxed grandma. I would be fine with that. I gave up wine for this shit. 
Apparently, you say hell no to that one. I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. I would think about this. I would think we all remember our risk is a, we have this big risk bucket, right? And we have these events that are super important. The brother-in-law's wedding, super important. We need to be there. That is our event. We understand that that is a higher risk event than what we may do otherwise. And so in our two week risk basket, that is gonna be the brother-in-law's wedding and we're gonna do it and we're gonna own that risk knowing that the rest of our decisions are gonna be more conservative in order to decrease that cumulative risk. My daughter really needs to play in these regional volleyball games right now in order to qualify for nationals. That is her high risk event. We're gonna make some more conservative choices around that high risk event because we have to prioritize that, right? So risk is cumulative, risk is over time. So if you're telling me that I'm taking a seven month old into church willy nilly, like just cause I wanna go to church, that's a different question than I need to go to Easter because this is very important to me as this religious holiday and this is gonna be my high risk activity and I know around that I'm gonna make different choices. How many more you got? Cause we, gotta get, to, we gotta get to like what we're yeah, Florida. I still have a lot here. Florida. All adults are max-maxed with two X's. There are going to be seven kids under the age of five in one house. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Only if there's a babysitter. <laughs> Only if there's a babysitter. Okay. Um, airplane. Airplane. For a two-year-old who rips his mask off, like tomorrow, tomorrow. Yes. Yes. Go tomorrow before they go to the mask because everybody else is wearing a mask. Go. Go tomorrow because that is a perfect example of cocooning, you guys. That is what we're trying to accomplish. All of the adults back mask around the most vulnerable, right? And so that is a perfect example of what we're trying to accomplish. So yes, you're okay, because all of these adults are masks. Somebody okay. said about the seven kids under five, they said, that's not a vacation, that's a work trip. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, Michelle. Amen. Indoor play date. My kid is vaccinated. The other kids are not. Yes, go. Because no. vaccines protect vaccines the vaccinated. Four-year-old, um, oh, I like this one. Four-year-old, unmasked, going to the aquarium with their preschool, which is amazing. Four weeks post getting Omicron. Oh, go. Hell go, yes. Go, 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 Hell go. Yes. Yes. Let's go. Okay. Five, under five-year-olds not masking outdoors, do they need to distance? Uh, how, no, like, how are you going to get a five-year-old, no, a four-year-old? They're not going to distance. No, you're no. Not. And they're outside, so no, I, it's no. Okay, this is my second to last questions. I have two more questions. Number one, 
Why do trampoline parks exist? I, I don't know. They exist so that my daughter, who was a gymnast, could have something to do on the weekends when she was bored as a kid. And how many times did you get norovirus? Never. Break an arm? She's a gymnast. That's true. No. Most kids do not. Yeah. Okay. I'm not saying, like, I'm not taking a kid that doesn't actually know how to jump on a trampoline and know how to fall. But that's what she was trained to do since she was, like, two years old. So she did. But. She, is, she is an exceptional child. She's an exception to the rule. Yeah, she is. Anyways, okay. trampoline park. Okay, now this is a really important question. I do want, I'm going to, I feel like. <laughs> Someone we, said they benefit big ortho. <laughs> big ortho. <laughs> big ortho is paying for those trampoline parks. Big ortho. Damn it, those orthopedic surgeons. Okay. Now this is a very serious question, and this is my last one before we go into what we're reading and all that kind of stuff. So a parent had a very interesting question, one of our Mass Off Libraries. I'm invited to a kid's birthday party for the first time. Yay. What do I ask the host to decide if it's safe to go? That's a very good question. I'm gonna say it again. I'm invited to a kid's birthday party. I'm assuming this is young children. I'm, yeah. I'm assuming this is elementary age kids. What do I ask the host to decide if it's safe to go? And I have a couple, I have two questions. I'm gonna give you a second to think about that as a parent of a young child. But I think this is right. super, super, super important. Very different than what I would ask like high school kids. So I'm assuming young kids. Right. So I would certainly ask how many people are going to be at the party. Okay. What is the activity planned at the party, I guess, maybe? I mean, again, is it at a trampoline park? Is it at a bounce, indoor bounce house? Fair. Um, I feel super guilty as a pediatrician. I didn't think about this, but I love this. Um, ask about their guns. Mm -hmm. Like, I wouldn't be, I'd like, think that, yes. 100%. Um, I don't know. You put me on the spot. What, what, what would you ask? I don't, I don't mean to put you on the spot because I know that this is a loaded question, but I asked this to my people on stories because like, I think that this is a really relevant question to where we are, not only in the pandemic, but in our personage right now. Right. So these would be my three questions. I'm going to ask the yes, no question. Stop laughing. I'm trying to be serious. <laughs> did you say that? Someone said, ask who did you vote for in 2020? <laughs> I'm sorry. These people, our mass off libraries are amazing. They have good questions. My first question is, if you have weapons in your home, are they locked up? and safely stored? That is my first question. My second question is, is this indoor or outdoor? Because if I know that if it's outdoor, no more questions need to be asked. Here we're good, we're fine, okay? If they say indoor, I have one follow-up question. Are the adults who are present fully vaccinated? And the reason that I would ask it that way 
is because we know if you vaccinate the adults, you're going to vaccinate your kids. And so by asking about the adults, you're taking pressure off that, like, implication about the children who are coming for a party. And you don't want to be that guy, right? So I want to ask about the things that are most important to me. And especially in our community, we need to normalize the question. And then finally, this is from Flocking Good Designs. This is her question. I completely agree. What type of cake will be served? Because if it's chocolate, I feel like the people who like vanilla are being ostracized and there needs to be a vanilla option. Uh, you must be a vanilla person because I feel the exact opposite. That's what I'm saying. These are, these are the questions that are important. I feel like or is it chocolate? There must be chocolate available or else I'm not coming. I, I, and I none of this marble bullshit. None of this marble bullshit. Because if you no, think you're no, no, pleasing no, 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 somebody no. with the marble, you're pissing both people no, off. No you marble. are winning no, no, no favors. No. Leave the marble no. to like, no. no. no Get no, rid no, of no, the marble no. cake. I don't know who invented that. It is bullshit. No. 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 Make your decision. Or chocolate. You gotta choose. You gotta choose. You have to commit. You gotta commit. Chocolate or vanilla. You gotta commit. That's it. Marble is worse than no cake. I completely agree with you, Miss Ange B. Completely no agree. No marble. Mass off Leave the marble. Mass off that community must commit. We must sign. There will be no marble birthday cakes. That is some merch right there. <laughs> I'm anti-adult bullshit and I'm anti-marble cake. Marble birthday. No marble cake. All right. What okay. are you reading? What are you watching? Okay. What are you listening to? I am, uh, okay. So I am listening. To, okay. So I'm, I'm still finishing The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is really good. And they're only dropping one episode on Friday. So I'm like continuing to watch that. I am reading... Introduction to Curling Strategy, all right? I am the skip of our organization, and I am going, I am going, we are going to win. We've got six different games. We're going to win. That's what I'm reading. Dude, look how thick it is. <laughs> all right? Um, I am. This is more serious than your Harvard education, I feel like. Okay, maybe so. Now. I would say that I am cooking, I am cooking, this was interesting, Lachlan actually came up to us and he really wants to do Meatless Monday, which we have done in the past, but he extended that to say Meatless Lunch, which I typically do not do. I do not do Meatless Monday for the lunch. I make the kids his lunch every day because they prefer that because they only have like 12 minutes to eat and they wait in the line and then that's six minutes and they only have six minutes to eat. So I make them lunch every day for a time-saving situation. And um, he really expressed his concern about the, about the use of water for live animals and uh, animal products. And so we are cooking uh, Meatless Monday for both dinner and for lunch. That is what we are cooking. And what we are, what did I forget, listening to? Reading, watching, listening Reading, to, watching, cooking. Listening to. 
listening to, I have been listening to, um, I'm still listening to Flow State. I still highly recommend that podcast for those who like to work to music. Um, I have met, I have learned about a lot of different artists, international artists that I was not familiar with through that substack. Nice. So Locke can come stay with us anytime he wants because we have meatless every day. That's right. Pretty much. Except for fish. We do have fish. Um, so I don't know that I've cooked anything interesting lately. I just am like, you know, cooking. It is what it is. Um, what I am reading, I'm still reading. So last time I started Essentialism. Is that yes. what it's called? The Essentialist, Essentialism. I love it. And that is part of the, that's part of the reason again, like I'm, yes, I started listening to the podcast too. So that's what I'm listening to. And that's part of the reason why I don't like, I'm, I'm not doing as much social media. Cause again, I'm like, what do I need to say no to? What is essential? What really matters? Um, and then what I'm watching. So I just watched Inventing Anna on Netflix. Have you seen that or heard about it? It was interesting. It was okay, really interesting. I've heard a lot of controversy about that. Please tell me more because I have not seen it yet. And I'm wondering. So it's, it's based on a true story and I haven't researched enough to know how loosely it is based or not, because at the beginning of every single episode, it's literally like this entire story is true, except for the parts that are completely a lie. Like it is like, it is. so, I mean, it's just this very disclaimer, but, um, it's interesting this, you know, so this 25 year old, I think she was like girl completely like fooled the social lights or whatever of New York City um, back in the late 20 teens at some point. It's just interesting to see how like how she could do that. How she could literally get all this shit like she basically like stole a private jet at one point because she just was like oh it's the credit card's there. What do you mean the machine's not working? Like, it should totally work. My credit card should work. And she just hops on the plane and it takes off. It's just like, and she never paid for it. I mean, it's just, it's nuts. It's crazy. Um, so it, it was just a good, like, light watch that I didn't have to think about a lot. And um, so if you got time, I'm very excited. Bridgerton, I feel like, is coming out soon. I feel like it's sometime in March. Okay, well, and to battle your Bridgerton, I will say that um, the Formula One Netflix series came out with season four. I'm much more interested in Drive to Survive than I am Bridgerton. Awesome. All right, well, I got to go because I need to pack because I'm going to Baton Rouge. All right, I'll let you know. It's really good to see you, Nicole. I needed to see you today. I almost wanted to say, like, I don't want to do it because I was in such a crappy mood, but I'm like, I need to see Nicole. So thanks for being here. Yeah, all right, see ya. Bye. Bye.